I'm Brandon Briscoe, and welcome to another episode of The Postscript, Living Faith Bible Institute's weekly podcast and YouTube series where we interview pastors and professors from across the Living Faith Fellowship on topics that range from ministry to missions to theology. And we're so grateful that you join us every single week uh, for this show. And And we want to encourage you, if you haven't yet, please subscribe to the podcast or or perhaps you prefer YouTube Go to the YouTube channel and 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 follow us. We would love to have you as a consistent listener. And that way you can get notifications about all the episodes and the weekly shows that are coming. And so we just want to invite you to do that. Now, this week, I'm very, very excited about uh, the opportunity to invite a very dear friend of mine, Mike Renault. Now, as many of you know, if you've listened to the show for very long or you have affiliation with the Living Faith Fellowship, that among our uh, family of churches, that it's very common for us to be talking about church planning. And, and when we're talking about missions, what we're actually talking about doing is establishing local churches. And there's a philosophy and a vision associated with that. Now, the beauty of having Mike on this week's show is that the Pastor Mike is just in the beginning stages of planting a church in Boston. They've only been there for a few months now, and we're going to get to hear from him about the vision for that, as well as the philosophy uh, of, of ministry that he's taking with him to Boston. And uh, so I'm, I'm very excited about it. Mike, welcome to the show, man. Thank you for having me. Um, before we get started and really dig into the interview, I want people to hear a little bit about your backstory, if that's okay. Sure. Um, tell us a little bit about how you grew up and the Christian environment that you were in as a child. Yeah, so I was very privileged to grow up in a Christian home and had two parents who loved the Lord. Um, and at age five, growing up in a church, I recall hearing a message about the gospel. And uh, even at that young age, uh, just not wanting to go to hell. And so mm-hmm. uh, recognizing that uh, I had sin in my life and even at you know age five, so however you process that. And so, but what I do remember is bowing my head and, and kneeling down by my parents' bed after church one Sunday and making a profession of faith. Uh, we were at a small church out in the country mm. and uh, I was a little bit older now, but not, not too much older. Um, and I recall hearing another message that we had a mission Sunday, uh, Sunday night and a missionary was in town and just talking about the, the mission field in Africa. And, uh, I was moved. And so, uh, I remember sitting by my parents in the service and they asked at the end of the service, if anybody felt called to missions to come forward. And so I got up and left my parents and walked down the aisle. And how old were you then? I was eight at the time. Okay. And I got sort of the pat on the head, you know, from the pastor right, and, yeah, and uh, you know, so, and I'm sure it was, you know, cute. I was eight. So there's a lot I hadn't processed, but uh, even then this was a landmark uh, moment in my life that I'll always look back to. Yeah. And you were, you were a little bit further on in your faith. I mean, by the time you're eight, you can like recollect all that and, and sure. that's a much more monumental moment. Yeah. I'd read the Bible and, and uh, was encouraged. I grew up around uh, a household and even extended family. Who I was able to see read the scriptures on their own, and so I knew it was more than just Sunday. Mm-hmm. These, these people took what they heard and and ended up living it. Um, these were, you know, just like me, flawed people, but they sure. uh, took seriously what the Word of God said about themselves and about this world. And uh, so that was; those were some great examples I had grown up. So very, very thankful. Now you ended up at KCBT. What was it like in the in the early '80s and '90s as a young man being? Uh, 
being at KCBT, um, I mean, we've talked about this in other episodes, but that was kind of an epicenter of missions and training and, and mm-hmm. church planting, especially at that time. So you were around that from an early age. What was that like? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I recall, you know, as even a boy, um, just the devotion this church had to the Word of God. And so the churches we grew up around, um, thank God they were very gospel-centered. Mm-hmm. And so praise God, because that's how I how I found the Lord. And they reproduced that very well. What they uh, often didn't do, and which is pretty common, is they didn't reproduce um, the character of God in people. And so... Um, discipleship, you know, as we would describe it. And so there wasn't that accountability. Right. And so when we got to this church, Kansas City Baptist Temple, I was still a young boy, but I recall my parents just getting on fire for the Lord Mm -hmm. and soaking up the word of God for themselves. And I was in middle school being taken to church and loving it and uh filling up a notepad full of things like church history and prophecy. And wow. and so I was being invested in, even from a pulpit, and didn't know a whole lot of people. I was still pretty disconnected from the church. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember, you know, having heard the word of God, uh, which is which is why this is part of my, my passion, what we're trying to do out in Boston. Right. Having heard the word of God for so long, I was then confronted with some of the deeper questions about my life as a young man. And began to recognize that my life wasn't matching up with what a Christian mm-hmm. actually looks like mm-hmm. in the Bible. And um, a couple of guys invested in me. These were uh, guys just a couple of years older. We were all in high school. Um, but is this when you started discipleship? Is that when you were you went through discipleship with someone? Well, um, in a sense, uh, I did. And so there were some about three guys that invested in me uh, and. Mitch Dobson, Ryan Blackstock, mm-hmm. Troy Stogsdale. These are all guys that are a few years older than me. And I'm sure they're really glad that you're making that. Yes. Clear. And so much older than me, actually. <laughs> but these are all guys that, that are still around and in yeah. faith. And yeah, um, pastors or fellowship leaders, mm-hmm. uh, licensed. Yeah. These are all guys that are dedicated in the ministry. And, and so back then, I was really struggling because, you know, I knew I was a believer. I was learning all this awesome truth out of the word of God and and I was being loved on, but I was being challenged because my life amongst my peers didn't match this, this uh, depiction in the scripture. And so um, I remember these guys took me in and just loved on me and provided uh, love from people that weren't like kooky and weird and, mm-hmm. and they followed the they were word. Your friends. They were my friends yeah. and they didn't have to be that, you know, I was a underclassman and, and they were all upperclassmen and, mm-hmm. And so I felt privileged, but uh, then the time came for me though to actually make it my own. And I remember just being confronted with John fourteen twenty three. This was a really important mm. scripture in my life. Um, you know, where I had to face the fact that you know, based upon that conditional statement Jesus made, "If you love mm-hmm. me, you'll keep my commandments," that I apparently didn't love my own Savior, mm. and it was uh, it was heart wrenching. And um, July twenty sixth. 1990. So it was 30 years ago last month. Wow. And I was on a mountain, literal mountaintop in Colorado. And uh, I'd come to my end after the Lord had graciously and mercifully allowed all of my attempts to live in the flesh to fail very badly. 
uh, as a believer, and he was just protecting me mm. each time. You know, I'd go try to chase a girl or go do this or get involved in something, and and he protected me every time. And um, there I was face to face with this decision, and I recall making a commitment from that point point forward that I was going to die to self and live unto Jesus going forward. Um, and so that was that was another just critical time in my life that I'll always remember. So then. You know, you know, you mentioned when you were eight, you kind of just like quickly went forward during a message declaring mm-hmm. that you, you were interested in and had a desire to be a missionary. So now in high school and based on the story you're telling, uh, were, was this the beginning of you actually taking that kind of commitment seriously? Were you beginning to think about the pastorate? Like, was this the beginning of a, of a more serious calling? Absolutely. Okay. Um, I would say more of an adult calling. I was mm-hmm. 15, 15 and a half at the time and going into my sophomore year. And um, it was going to be a drastic change for me to go up to school, public school the next year and make a stand for Jesus. Not mm-hmm. that I was uh, a hellraiser, but I was clearly trying to ride the fence and I was trying to do my own thing and, and to, you know, it would have been like um, lot, you know, I would have been mocked had I come mm-hmm. out and said, you know, I've been a Christian this whole time. Right. And so, um, but that's exactly what I did. And I made a commitment and ended up bringing my giant King James Bible to school on the first day of school and just, you know, plopping it down on the desk. And uh, which was a big statement of faith for me. You know, Mm -hmm. as a young man, I had to make that, take that sort of physical step. Sure. And uh, jump in the pool, so to speak, to make sure everyone knew that I wasn't going back. Right. And uh, so absolutely, that was a big, big part of my call. And so from there, I mean, one of the cool things about being at KCBT is that missions was always on everybody's lips. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the uh, missions conference every year. And um, over time, you began to develop a more serious passion for church planning. And I m- remember, you know, I, I didn't meet you till the, the early 2000s, but you were always talking about um, wanting to plant a church in France. Yes, and like yeah. there was, you had these different ideas. Tell us how you got to a place where you knew for a fact that you wanted to be a church planner. Well, um, so Mitch Dobson, one of the guys that invested in me, you know, he was a young man too. He was in high school. He had led a Bible study at our public school and he actually invited me as I was making that decision to lead the Bible study next year. You know, something okay. that you've been yeah, talking with your yeah, folks sure. about in Kaya. And um, it was a really serious commitment and uh, I felt an honor to do it. And that led me, that that commitment that I made to take that torch and run with it the next three years at my school, um, diving into the Word of God, not only for myself, but for other people, investing in them, them being a witness. Mm-hmm. Um, God continued just to, to put a burden, a fire in my heart to go do that. And so I entered uh, their Bible college, KCBT's Bible College mm-hmm. Shepherd School, yeah. right out of school, and um, just began praying about what would God do with me. And... Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was probably about then, um, but it was a culmination of just the word of God being taught over the years and that culture of the Bible being in my heart that it didn't take much for, you know, when the call came um, that, you know, I knew that missions was for me. And so mm-hmm. I I would talk to pastors, uh, I would make sure and, and keep people informed of where my heart was, mm-hmm. um, a lot of prayer, a lot of just communicating. And every time I'd open up the book, it was just screaming, you know, mm. woe unto me if I, or woe is me if I preach not the gospel and, and constantly to go and, and whom shall I send? And, 
and uh, these just cried out. And, you know, from a child, you know, that was my, my commitment to the Lord. And, and so um, I just prayed and sought the Lord about it, and, and uh, God kind of took care of the rest from mm-hmm. there. So how old are you now? 45. Okay. And so there was a gap, there's a gap time there yeah. between like yeah. the, the, the calling in your heart and that those heavy, heavy convictions until now. Mm-hmm. Um, can you explain just that, that time, that space between then and now sure. and, and why now, you know, why now, um, why is now the time in which it's, you can, you can finally go launch out and do the thing that you've been called to yeah. do for such a long time. Yeah. So, um, you know, there's a, a big window there mm-hmm. and, um, you know, not to think more highly of myself, but I always, I always look at like Moses, story mm-hmm. and, uh, how he was sort of raised in the palace and then it's up on the backside of the desert for 40 years. And, and, um, you know, I've not been on the backside of the desert. God's been, been, uh, using me, but you know what, uh, when I first sort of stepped out and launched, um, you know, I, back then, uh, I got, I got asked to disciple somebody before I'd ever discipled anybody or before I'd been discipled. Oh yeah. And before, I, you'd, before you'd actually formally been discipled. Yeah. And so right. I'd actually sat under with my parents as they were being discipled mm-hmm. and just listened and, and, uh, and I'd been around long enough so I could, you know, talk the lingo and all that. And so praise God, I got put with a, a disciple that was super easy. My Good. first one out yeah. and he succeeded and, and he's even, he's in ministry to Dave. And, and so, I uh, went on international mission trips, you know, multiple, um, you know. And this is like in your teens. I was, this was all before I was 16. Right. You know, I'd gone on two international mission trips, one to a post-communist country a year after their dictator had fallen, uh, a native Canadian, you know, reservation where we preached the gospel and, Mm. you know, up by the North Pole, you know, Arctic Circle. And, and I was going to, go places for the Lord. You know, that, right. that's what, what kind of I was envisioning. And, and my heart was really to do that. You mm-hmm. know, my heart was to do it. I had my eyes set on Western uh, Europe and France in particular and taking multiple trips and trips with just me and the missions pastor multiple times and <clears throat> had an invitation to do that. And uh, man, I was married as a young man and went through um, just a gut-wrenching divorce right in the mm-hmm. middle of all this. Mm-hmm. And, um, I'll never forget it. it. It changed my life, but God used that to kind of slow me down and get me focused on him. Okay. And so that uh, was kind of a reset. I mean, yeah. When that, when that was a tragedy in your life. I mean, I think yeah. that was about the time you and I met. Yeah. Um, you were just like kind of rethinking everything, I guess. Yeah. Um, you know, that, that began a trajectory in my life of what I would say is, uh, the loss years of, mm-hmm. of my life. And, uh, I lost a family, uh, for a period of time later on in my life. I would, I would lose a child. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I ended up, uh, you know, at one point, like in the height of it all, I'll just put it this way, I guess. I, I think there are those moments that a man can face that end up shaking him so much to his core that makes him want to question whether or not he wants to even go on mm-hmm. in life. And I had faced that for sure. And um, I remember um, just thinking that it, it wasn't worth it. And I'd been in ministry for a while. I discipled people and 
I was part of Alan Shelby's ministry at the time, and Troy Sogsdale had inherited the discipleship ministry from Sam Miles, mm-hmm. who then Troy had passed it on to me. And so Alan's class was really big at this time, four or 500 people, and I was running his discipleship. And, and uh, I remember getting sat down, you know, when all this was going on. Mm. And that's a big, uh, you know, that can be an identity crusher for somebody who's devoting their life to ministry. Right. You know, and so um, as time went on, though, the Lord revealed to me that my role in ministry was not the most important thing. And uh, what I had to come to a place, and it, and it took some time, uh, was just how important, uh, you know, this is going to sound ridiculous saying this for somebody who'd been in ministry as long as I'd been, um, just my walk with the Lord was, mm-hmm. you know, being in this this sort of ministry powerhouse, um, just the sweetness of whether God is enough. Mm. And I had to, I had to come to a point where I, was God enough if I, if I lost my ministry entirely, man, if, if I lost my family, if, you know, I was never going to get anything back, was God still going to be enough? Were you going to be okay with that? Just having a friend in Jesus? Yes. You know, would I, if I limped with this for the rest of my life, would it be enough? Mm. And, um, praise God, like God's gracious. He pulled me to a place where, uh, on my knees, you know, I just begged for him and, and basically kind of wrote off like what I would consider official ministry and just reckoned that that's probably for somebody else. And, uh, God brought me to a point of just utter brokenness of who I was. And, um, so that, that is the early stages I would say of that sort of, uh, middle period of my life, you know, in my early, early twenties, I guess it's been about 20 years now. I mean, and you, and you really, like everything began to change. I mean, mm-hmm. um, you got remarried. Yes. Yep. And uh, your wife is amazing. Hopefully we'll get some time to talk about her. Yeah. But yeah. Meredith. Um, and then, uh, and you began law school. Yeah. Which was also very trying. Wilderness-like. Sure. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, you know, back in 05, um, walked down the aisle with with Meredith. And, which is uh, the same year we planted that's we right. Started, we started doing ministry to, to, yeah. to Midtown. So she and I actually had met a couple of years before, and I inherited my brother Dan's Bible study. As he went mm-hmm. off to San Francisco to go to school, I inherited his Bible study. and uh, this, at, Long, at Longview Community at College. At Longview yeah. College, where I didn't go. Right. And um, so that was a big—it was actually an honor for me because I'd been kind of on the sidelines and very content with that. I just was yeah. very— very glad to just be in a place uh, where, you know, I wouldn't say anonymous, but just, you know, no obligations. I could just praise the Lord and be loved on by some brothers and sisters. And, and, um, but God gave us this opportunity to mm-hmm. do that. And so, um, and with it, you know, it was a natural move for us when Sam felt led of the Lord to start the church here in Midtown. And uh, so we, he invited us and, you know, I was a shell of, of, of myself at the time. And I just was grateful to be a part of it. I knew missions was on my heart and I wanted to be a part of, of that. Uh, my wife worked at an inner city ministry at the time. Mm-hmm. And so it was just a natural connection. And so we helped, we helped in the beginning of the church plant. And, and I think for all of us who were part of those beginning years at Midtown, it was very forming for all of us. Cause, cause really, I don't, 
think there was anybody that was on that team that had ever planted a church or was familiar with that process. And I think all of us grew a lot through that time period. Uh, yes. maybe, what are some of the ways in which you grew and then maybe began to get that hope back that um, the Lord was not done with you in terms of your calling? Yes. So, uh, man, God is so good because, um, and he used Sam so so mightily in this. So Sam reacquaints himself with me as, as I'm joining his ministry. You know, I sat under him for a couple of years in the college ministry, not in college, but just to kind of get refreshed. Mm-hmm. And um, I come out here and, and join here and, and we're just having a blast. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's uh, we're, you know, I had the privilege early on. Um, he allowed me to lead our evangelism ministry. Mm-hmm. And so we would take guys out and, and ladies out on the street Saturday mornings early on. It was every Saturday. And then we would, you know, rotate. And then, you know, like a lot of people. So I had a family. Um, I had two older kind of preteen kids um, at this point, And the housing crisis hit back in 2006 to 2008 mm-hmm. in that range. And I was already like, man, Sam just will put you to work. And, and he's so gracious and just trust God. And, and um, so praise God, like God was using just the opportunity um, and, and the place of humility where I had been brought to to show me a couple things mm-hmm. and just about being willing to serve. And, you know, I appreciate, you know, so much, you know, not, not to toot his horn, but like Sam's work ethic is yeah. In- incredible. Yeah. And I'd never been, you know, in a ministry before where like shoveling human feces before Sunday morning to get the church ready was a thing. Yeah. That was a staple. I just didn't have that uh, inclination to, mm-hmm. you know, see a spill on the floor. Where's the mop, you know? Right. Right. Coming in, I would see a spill on the floor and be like, oh, wow, that's too bad. And, you know, I hope nobody slips, you know. And uh, and so God really used that just to change mm-hmm. uh, to change me, just working in this church and went to law school just to retool my skill set and um, ended up, uh, because of that, law school is as described. You can't do anything else. Yeah. I felt useless. You know, you had to slow down a little bit in terms of what you were doing. Yeah, it was yeah. an abrupt stop. I, so at the time, I had a small group. It was pretty early stages still of the church. And we had a small group that was we were pushing at that time, probably 30, 35 people. And we were very busy in ministry again. And it wasn't anything that we just planned for. It was just God had been blessing us. And mm-hmm. and so, you know, I'd learned my lesson from a young man. Uh, I'm now, you know, pushing 30 or early 30s and um just so grateful to be a part of God using me again mm-hmm. and being able to invest the word of God in people. And, and, um, then the housing crisis hit and I had, uh, two kids that needed to be fed, had, you know, the mortgage, uh, married and, uh, you know, it was incredible uh, on me, just like it wasn't a lot of people. A lot of people lost their jobs back then. And, yeah. And so I remember just praying about it and uh, talking to my wife and um, feeling led of the Lord, like, you know, well, you know, maybe my inclination was right. Maybe, you know, I'm not supposed to be in full-time ministry. I'm just going to keep serving the Lord and, and surrender my heart to him, and uh, which was a new, more mature approach to it. Mm-hmm. God had sort of allowed me to go through the ringer and know what was important about mm-hmm. the ministry, and, mm-hmm. and that's him. 
Yeah. That's bringing glory to his name, not, right. not getting a job done or anything like that. And so, um, so there we were and, and, uh, you know, it, it's getting tough. I mean, I think, you know, man, we're, we're going to, we're going to lose everything. And I, I'm newly married and, and, uh, you know, so there's a lot of fear in my mind with that. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, oh man, I'm going to mess this up again or something. And, mm. and, um, and you know, my wife puts no pressure on me. She's, she is yeah. like a saint. Anybody that knows Meredith knows she's like incredibly laid back. Yes. Soft spoken. Yeah. Just so encouraging. And so it was just all like my flesh and the devil just whispering things in my ear. And so, um, but God used it just to, to call me and give me a peace and, and, um, suggest in my heart like hey why don't you consider doing this thing go to law school become a lawyer mm-hmm. you know here i am in my 30s and i've got a family and, and mm-hmm. mortgage and all these things and craziest thing ever and so i'm like well i, I didn't even have my undergrad done and so i'm like well i'm just going to trust god with this this heart sense that i've got and i talked to some pastors about it and chris bass was like yeah you should you should do it. If you think God's telling you, why don't you give it a mm-hmm. shot and allow God to close the door if you're walking with him. So I applied, ended up getting a scholarship full ride to finish my undergrad. So cool. And um, then after that, got into law school. And um, <clears throat> in terms of my career, I guess, you know, uh, it's been an incredible blessing. But, you know, during that time, especially during the time of law school, um, it was a big drought. You know, I... I believed with all my heart, you know, that God was, was bringing me to this point, And I still believe that to this day. And, but it required me to put down some things in ministry that, that I was engaged with. And I had to split our Bible study and handed it over to a couple guys. And, and, uh, I would go to church, you know, faithfully every Sunday and I just have to sit in the back because right after church, I'd have to bolt out of there to go work at my part-time job selling clothes to pay for, you know, to support my family mm-hmm. because the rest of the week, you know, I was trying to finish my degree up and, and, uh, you know, just constantly working with the pastors and trying to be involved as much as I could, but it was just tough. It was tough. And, and nothing was consistent in terms of ministry. Like it was, right. you helped when you could, I felt like, well, where's Mike? And then all of a sudden you'd be like, there, like cleaning one night and yeah. you would just fit, you would try to find ministry responsibilities in between everything else it was you know I, I was you know it was the gaps that i had i wanted to make sure my family mm-hmm. knew that this was god's house and this is what we had to make the priority i wasn't going back to law school to get rich like i believed with all my heart and thank god for it to this day mm-hmm. that i did it because god used it mightily even to where i'm at today in ministry and um it was like to go back to law school was to serve the lord that was it in, in a weird way and he honored that. He mm-hmm. honored um, my path. And so first year of law school, you're not allowed to work. You'll get expelled, you know, if they catch you working anywhere. Wow. wow. And so, um, you know, it, you're, you're there and long hours. And, and uh, I remember Chris Miller here coming to me one, one night and we're at a deacon's meeting and, you know, and, and I'm just like dejected because there's all this stuff going on and the church is starting to grow. And, Mm -hmm. and I'm like, man, I feel like I should be doing this, but I'm here. I am doing this other thing. And, and I recall Chris just grabbing me afterwards and he's like, Hey man, um, can you help set up the baptismal on Sunday morning? And I was just like, you know, yes, 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I will do whatever I can. I just want to be able to help out in some yeah. way. Yeah. And so I did it. <clears throat> and um, my wife helped me out. We just did that. And um, one thing led to another. Um, and I remember on a New Year's Eve 2012 or 2011, Sam Miles called me at like 10 after midnight, you know, probably just knowing Weird. people were up. Yeah. And he's like, hey, I, I believe the Lord's spoken to me that we're supposed to baptize 112 people or something like that this year. Right. And I was like, okay. Which Sam doesn't ever say stuff like that. Like no. That, I remember no. that. And that was a, I remember thinking like, what, Sam? That, yes. That's strange. Yeah. And so, you know, I'm on the phone, so I'm not going to make that statement to him right. you know, without being face to face. And so I'm like, that sounds good. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> It's 1230, but I will definitely do that tomorrow morning. <laughs> and so he said, you know, look, I know you've been setting up the baptism for us. Would you commit to me to set it up every week this year? Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, that's a little bit more effort than what we've been putting forward, but let's do it. And so we use that and, and God allowed me after I ended up graduating, we recruited a team and then they started um, taking it over. And you were busy because very busy because God actually did allow us to baptize how many well i think we met or exceeded yeah uh the number right and so you know average two two point whatever a week baptisms and i loved it and god allowed it to to work through us my wife and i my wife's a rock star and she helped recruit a team to help us out and so we ended up sort of just discipling some folks in the in the area of ministry service one Mm -hmm. of the areas that i would say Historically, I was probably the weakest in, mm. and um, God was using it to grow me and also to train other people in it. And so we do this, and um, Chris Best, then you know Pastor Best at the time, comes to me and asks me if you know we can make it more official. And we've got these different service ministries around the church, security and cafe and altar and all these different areas, seven or eight different areas. And, mm-hmm. you know, he was running them all at the time and, and just asked me for some help. Can you help out with this? And, and one thing led we to another. referred to as like the connections team yeah. or something like that. So you were like, became yeah. a connections director or something. Yeah. So, so we ended up organizing the connections ministry and again, God just used it to kind of grow me from a, in a servant sense mm-hmm. and just, you know, investing in people. And, and uh, it was so great being able to have those conversations and 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 be able to serve the church in that way just to make people feel welcome like I was when when I first was brought into the church mm-hmm. and uh yeah it was incredible incredible time so all of that was growth for you yes you know how did yeah. how did you get to a place though where um I, and maybe you can tell the story of like the fellowship ordination like beginning to lead a sunday school and and that all accelerated and happened fairly quickly in your life that led you to this moment. Maybe you could tell that portion of the story. So I'll be married 15 years uh, next month in September. And um, it was five years ago, we went out for an anniversary trip and my wife was uh, greatly pregnant at the time, but we decided to do something fun for our 10th. And so we'd never Mm -hmm. been to uh, the East coast. And so we went to Cape Cod, Massachusetts you know, famous Cape Cod and we're going to be jet setters and mm-hmm. drive yeah. around the Cape. And we rented a Camaro convertible and not Sweet. on purpose. It just happened. And, you know, and so we're out there just having a blast and, um, we 
decided because it's our vacation, like we want to enjoy this time. We're going to mm-hmm. go, let's go back early to the city of Boston, which is in right in the mainland, right on the coast. And uh, let's just spend a couple extra nights there. Let's cut short in Cape Cod and spend some time in Boston. And so we're on our vacation and we're just seeing the city and, and we love it. It's, it's beautiful. It's pretty. And, and um, but I'm just overwhelmingly, you know, seeing the people and, you know, I didn't know a lot about Boston before. Um, you know, when I was out there, I just threw up a prayer. It was a prayer for somebody else. And it was, it went kind of like this, you know, Meredith's asleep in the bed and I'm looking out the window of our hotel and I'm like, and I'd experienced the city at this point and all the people and everyone from all over the world mm-hmm. and the thousands of international students. And, you know, as the saying goes out there, everyone is from somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And so like, God, what would you do if someone were just obedient to come out here? And it was just a, a prayer I threw up, mm-hmm. you know, kind of, you know, not haphazardly, but but it was a serious prayer. I remember just asking the Lord and, and probably I, I knew it was about me, but um, I came back. And so God started working in my heart about planting a church at that point. And I saw my brother, Dan, who was just in the throes of getting started with his church in Lee summit. And frankly, God used that to inspire me um, to consider it. And I watch, I would watch him and, and the things that he went through and, his heart for it. And, and I was beginning to see even in, in just the culture of our church here at Midtown, um, I I would say maybe a maturity and readiness to begin or or maybe capacity Mm -hmm. yeah, to begin sending more. Yeah. And I just started looking around like, why not me? Like I believe, I think God wants to do something. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking like, uh, probably not though. And so I just, um, just, I'm going to keep doing ministry. However, I'm going to lead connections and, but he's going to go start this church in, in Lee Summit, a suburb of Kansas city. And we begin praying about going to help him and I'm just going to help him out. He's going to be the pastor and I'm just, I'm just going to be there, help mm-hmm. him out. And I remember going to Chris and Sam and asking sort of their permission, you know, not really, but, you know, just telling them, I, I believe God wants us to go help him. He's just launching and, and um, they're like, well, why don't you pray about like staying and just why don't you pray about staying and start a class, start an adult fellowship. We're thinking about doing that. And so I prayed about it and um, my wife and I talked it over and prayed about it. And it was overwhelmingly clear that we have an opportunity right here to start something from basically ground zero Mm -hmm. from scratch and trust God uh, to invest in people right right where we were. And so I remember um, 2016 is when we launched our class and uh, Chris Best, his fellowship, Chris sacrificed a few of his key guys to go help me mm-hmm. and uh, such a blessing. And so we ended up having this class and praise God for it. It was an incubator for me uh, for three years and ended up leading us uh, in our heart, in our formation of our heart to go end up even having a greater desire and calling to mm. plant a church. So, I mean, now you're going and uh, you've got a team. And um, even just last night, uh, we we prayed over yeah, that was sweet. Adam. It was so sweet. Adam and Heidi Merritt. 
and uh, they're going to be they're going to be joining you now. And and you've got everybody uh, with the initial phase one team is there. Yes. And and it's it's game time. Yeah. And so I maybe after all the things we've talked about and and the DNA that that has just been the, the things God has used uh, in your life uh, to bring you to this point. Could you just share what your philosophy, uh, heart approach is right this moment as it concerns mm-hmm. going to Boston and, and doing the mission? Yeah, so I would say that it stems from just how God has brought me up and, and the development over the years, over the last several decades. And you know, my heart is this, and you know, not to be cliche, but love God, love people. Mm-hmm. You know, and in that Matthew six thirty three, which, you know, it doesn't sound like it correlates, but that's my approach in doing those things, mm. you know, that I've learned over the years, just, you know, having gone through a few things that if I put God's work first, like mm. truly his work, honoring God, investing God's word into the souls of men. And if I put that first, he'll, he'll take care of everything else. And so that's what we did in our class, mm-hmm. you know, and there were some hard times. I remember right in the very beginning of starting that class and, and, and some of the wheels had sort of come off the, the bus, so to speak. And, and I'd had a surgery on my foot because mm. I'd busted my foot and mm-hmm. it's winter time. And, you know, we're, we're trying to develop some leaders and invest in people. And, and uh, it's, it's, it had snowed a light snow on the ground. And so I remember, I'm on crutches and I drive in. Meredith had to count the offering or be in nursery or something. And, and uh, but I'm trying to emulate what I've been taught that, you know, faith requires work, right? I mean, I mean not, you know, not for our salvation, obviously, but right. it's an expression of it. Like, right. you know, my faith is, is action upon what the word of God tells me. And so I'm not going to let anything stop me from investing the word yeah. of God into people. How important is this really? That's you? right. Yeah. And so I go down there, I've got a broken foot. I'm a week out from surgery after surgery and can't walk, can't put any weight on it. And I'm on crutches and I go if in our class at the time was on the very top floor above the mm-hmm. sanctuary and I hobble up on crutches and it takes me forever to get out there. I'm in excruciating pain and nobody's there. I remember. Mm. And uh, it broke my heart, but I just, I remember just sitting down with the Lord and, uh, just giving that to him in prayer. Like this is your ministry. Mm -hmm. This isn't my ministry. And so I want to invest in people. Will you use me to do that? And it was kind of a turning point Mm. in that, uh, in the development there. And so one thing I think that, that we are learning, you know, as we launch and my philosophy is to recognize and always remember and to remind myself that, the calling on my life, the calling on any minister's life, the calling on any believer's life uh, is God's calling. It's his ministry. It's not Mm -hmm. mine. Yeah. And um, so that's, that's what we plan to take. We're going to, we're trusting God, you know, in my daily life, whether it be Boston or wherever to, to love God and love people and invest the word of God into as many people as we possibly can. Well, we're we're trusting that God's going to do that work in Boston as well. I mean, you've got a lot of people praying for you. Yeah, and excited, thank you. and and uh, I want to really thank you for sharing your story. 
with us. I mean, I know that some of those things are really hard, probably hard to talk about. They don't often come up maybe anymore, sure, but yeah. they, they mean a lot. I think to people who are listening, I think a lot of people would ask themselves, Lord, am I, am, can I be used? Hmm. You know, like this thing has happened to me. Can I actually be used? Am I, am I still qualified? Is there a qual- calling on my life? And uh, I think your story reminds us that, um, that, that God is faithful uh, to bring mm. us through wilderness yes. and bring us to a place where he's made us exactly what we need for the calling that he put in our heart, maybe years and years ago. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. No, I, I couldn't say it any better. And uh, I mean, the glory is God's, you know, of course, I remember some of the hardest times in my life. I remember God bringing me to that, that passage in the prophets and I'll misquote it, but you know, it, it gave me a heart and vision and I, and this is still today. And I prayed it last night over Adam and Heidi, actually, mm-hmm that uh, my house would be a house where the glory of the Lord can be seen. Yeah. And uh, so that's what we want to do. And uh, we'll praise that's God, I man. Be. Mike, thanks again for joining us. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. And if you're cool next week, uh, you're going to come back and, and be a part of a conversation about what it's like to be in Boston right now at the very beginning stages of the work. Is that of, cool? Of course. Yeah. Sweet, man. And we want to thank you for joining us as well for another episode. Uh, We would ask that you join us every single Monday when uh, new Postscript episodes come out. Uh, We pray that it's a blessing to you. And if if you're hearing this conversation about church planning and it's it's intriguing to you and you want to know how you can be trained uh, in God's word and uh, gain a philosophy of missions like the one that Living Faith Fellowship holds to, uh, please check out lfbi.org. Go there, visit it, uh, see our vision, see our mission, check out some of the classes that we offer, and consider whether or not God would have you to join us in LFBI. But again, thank you. We pray that it was a blessing, and we hope to see you again next week.